Homestyle Green, episode 87. What is project management? And do you need to hire a professional for your construction project? G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm the host of the show, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and this is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. Now, about 18 months ago, I was looking around iTunes for similar podcasts that are also interested in looking at sustainable design, eco-buildings, those sorts of things, and I came across Ben Adam Smith's House Planning Help. Now, I've had Ben on the show and have maintained contact with Ben. In fact, we catch up pretty regularly every every couple of weeks now. And one of the uh, guests that Ben had on his show pretty early on was a great guy by the name of Caesar Abid. Now, Caesar uh, caught my attention because, like me, he trained as an engineer, but has then gone on to do some very interesting things, including working for his parents' company, which looks at monitoring construction sites. But he's also done a lot of project management, and that has led him to some very interesting places, not least of which is a current Kickstarter campaign, which he is right uh, or coming towards the end of, but there's still um, a few days left to go if you're listening to this in late October early November 2014. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to get Caesar onto the show today. But his topic, which is about bringing project management to the regular person, project management to the masses is what he's all about. And that is extremely relevant to you if you're looking at constructing a house or doing a renovation and embarking on a project for yourself, or if you do that for clients, then chances are you are continually in the process of managing either a bunch of design projects or a bunch of construction projects, or perhaps both. And it was those things that I was interested in discussing with Caesar to find out if he could give us any clues about how best to apply the quite confusing sometimes, principles of project management to your construction project. So as usual, I started by asking Caesar why he does what he does. Why do I do what I do? I do a, a lot of things. So um, do. I do a lot of things. Uh, that's, you know, that's a good question, Matthew, and it's hard to answer. <laughs> but it's a question I think we should all uh, be able to answer. Otherwise, what are we doing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, from a high level perspective, I really believe that um, I'm here on this earth, on the, on the earth for a purpose. Yep. And, um, and it's most, most fulfilled um, in uh, as, my job as, as a father, husband, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, uh, you know, God gave me this wife and this wonderful little kids and, and I need to, I need to make sure that they are um, going where they need to go. So that's number one. And then everything else kind of supposedly aligns with this, right? So my work and all the things I do on the side, like uh, the, the podcasts and now this book I'm, I'm writing, it kind of goes along with that. How can I be a better person? And by being a better person, how can I be a better husband and a better father to my kids? 
Um, and if something is not aligned with that, then it's an easy, it's an easy no for me, you know? So yeah, right. that, that, that's why I do what I do. And sometimes I fail, sometimes some days are better than others, but, but for the most part, that's, uh, that's where my mind and my heart is. That's pretty powerful outlook. And I imagine a lot of people have, would like to have that sort of outlook, but often lose sight of it sort of down in the weeds of, of a regular job or or just paying the bills so to how do you how do you stay focused on that why yeah well i i i heard this from someone years ago and he goes like this if you don't know where you are going any road will take you there yeah so uh it's and and, and i understand this is uh it's almost like a spiritual thing but i think in the end you need to know where you are going Otherwise, it's, as I said, you know, it's hard to focus. It's hard to choose what to do because every single second of our lives, we're presented with a choice. You know, I can, I can sit here and talk to you or I can, you know, just lay here on this bed that's next to me and go to sleep. There's always a choice. Yep. And when you know where you are going in life, um, it makes it choosing easy and therefore makes life easy. Yep. Easier at least, you know. Yeah, so, if, yeah. <clears throat> um. And I, I really, I truly believe, you know, just talking with friends and, and myself as well sometimes that a lot of the conflict and, uh, and uh, uh, tribulations that we go through life is just because we don't know what to do, you know, and yeah. uh, we don't know what to do because we, we, lost, we lost sight of where uh, we're trying to go with this, uh, uh, with this life of ours. I mean, we only have a few years here and it's uh, better make the most of it. Now, I can see a really nice segue there to project management and, and mm-hmm. talking about knowing knowing where you're going and why. But before we go there, you do have some experience uh, in the construction industry and because this podcast is about creating a better place to live. The other question I like to ask guests is what what do you see as the biggest problem right now in the construction industry? Mm-hmm. You know, Matthew, I, um, I work for the construction sector. I'm not a builder myself. Um, I don't build things, but I do work alongside a lot of construction projects, yeah. especially in the project management side. We look at a lot of schedules and a lot of, um, uh, you know, measurement reports, things like that. Yep. So, um, and, and also I'm neck deep in, in the project management world, um, you know, where it's not just related to construction, but in general. Uh-huh. So um, my, my, let's say my, I see things from, from the project management industry as a whole. And then I see the construction industry inside of it. So it's kind of easy for me to, well, easier perhaps to, to see <laughs> what the problems are compared to other industries. And um, yep. the construction industry in the past was responsible for a lot of the innovations that we see today. A lot of the technology that we have today started by with by by guys trying to figure out ways to build things and lift boulders and 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 chemistry to mix concrete things like yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, and the construction industry in the last century or so just kind of lost lost it a little bit. You know, when yeah. it comes to innovation, um, especially when it comes to efficiency. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but if you look at a graph, industry by industry, and uh, and and efficiency over time, it, it's pretty much a straight line going up at a forty-five degrees for every single industry. You know, manufacturing, mining, 
um, all these uh, all these industries have increased inf- efficiency over time. The construction industry has not. It's it's a straight. It's basically um, if you look at it closely, you can even make a point that it's actually going down. So that's, we've become that's less- really interesting because uh, quite a, quite a lot of people and guests I've had on this show talk about the the way we build in terms of basically stick framing and um, single glazed windows. A lot of those technologies haven't changed. The the technical aspects of building but you're saying on a more holistic level the the process and the uh well like say the project management side of the industry hasn't hasn't changed either yeah basically takes um if you compare what we're doing now now we compare what we're doing 50 years ago um it's it it costs about the same to build and it takes about the same amount of time same amount of resources we haven't gotten better at it. I mean, we have new technologies, we have new, um, I don't know, new ways of building perhaps, but when it comes to efficiency of doing things better, um, we haven't really improved. And that's a big problem that the industry as a whole is trying to fix. So I, th- I think that's one of the biggest problems yeah. and the, the resistance to innovation. See, the, my, my opinion is that we've been building things the same way for such a long time that we just like rely on the fact that it works, you know? So, yep. Hey, I, we built that building 30 years ago. It's still yeah. standing. So yeah. why do we need to do, do it differently? Yeah. So uh, what we provide for the construction industries, and it's a tool that's innovative and we've been um, trying to sell it for 10 years. And it's, I can tell it's really hard to sell a new idea to the, to the industry because, and we can talk about some of the other problems as well, but uh, one of the, I'll, I'll mention one right now. One of the, the, the problems with this industry is the, the lowest bid, bid mentality, mm. right? So mm. when you, for the most part, when you have a contractor or subcontractor working on a project, they are there because they were the lowest price, by yeah. the, almost by definition. So they, um, they are operating on, with very little wiggle room for anything. So when you come alongside a project trying to offer something new, um, that it's going to cost a little bit of money. Um, the answer is always no. Re- regardless of how how good a product product it is, they don't have a budget for it. Yeah, and and it's systematic. It's a endemic problem, right? So you can't, you can't just fix it after after a project uh, has started. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so, so it's difficult to implement new things because it's difficult for for stakeholders to to embrace new things that, you know, may cost money, a little bit of money up front, but it's going to save money in the long run. So it, it, it is a, a difficult industry to work in, that's for sure. But, uh, but it's one that's, you know, the, one of the oldest industries that we have, and it's going to be, a lo- uh, going to be around for forever. I mean, we, we'll always have to build things. So it's worth it to stick with it and then try to, you know, effect some change in it. And that's, uh, what we're trying to do here with these podcasts and all this, this information that we're trying to share. Back in episode 58, I spoke with James Salmon uh, of Collaborative, Collaborative Construction, and he had some very interesting points of view, very similar to that, about the resistance to change. And almost more than that, worse than that, the the uh, the um, the motivation by certain sectors of the industry to stay with the status quo and not helped by the fact that there are some industries in like particularly in the legal sector that mm-hmm. rely on inefficiencies because they that's how they generate their uh, revenue is is by 
basically um, sorting either sorting out those problems once they've occurred or by, um, you know, the incentives aren't right for the uh, pro- the construction process to be as efficient as possible, basically, within the mm-hmm. current structure. So there's a lot of yeah. uh, inertia, I guess, to overcome. Yeah, I agree with that. And also I've seen a cycle as well. Um, as I said, we've been doing this for 10 years and I work with my dad who's been in the industry since the 1970s. 19, you know, so he's uh, he agrees with me on this. There's a cycle. So yeah. the, the cycle is um, when the economy is good, then there's a lot of money for investment yep. and the private sector comes with a vengeance and they build. And there's so, many, so much money going around that efficiency and things like that are, are not a concern. They're just yeah, go for right. it. Now, in the downturn, when the economy goes bad, then what happens is the government usually steps in with infrastructure projects. Yep. And and then the focus of the, the contractors and suppliers focus to the government contracts. And and in there, there's no uh, incentive for, for efficiency and innovation either because the way government handle contracts is very stiff and there's very little room for, for doing things differently. So the, the whole, yeah, right. you know, talk about lowest bid. Yeah, that most government um, entities—that's how they operate—and there is no way around it. So, so we're always stuck in in, in between these two uh, ends of the cycle, and um, it's just difficult, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to project management. Mm-hmm. What is what is project management? All right, I, I knew you were going to ask me this, so I decided to <laughs> take a step back. Let's talk about a project first of all. Yeah. Uh, according to the Project Management Institute, who is the you you would say perhaps the regulating body um, when it comes to project management, mm-hmm. a project is a temporary endeavor designed to produce a unique product, service, or result. Okay, so if you think about that, pretty much every single construction initiative is a project. Right? Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's temporary it has a beginning and an end. It produces a unique product, service, or result. So you have a new building at the end, and you can tell, you can look back and say, yep, this is done, and you can check it off as done. Now, project management is, is the process of, of planning, organizing, um, say, motivating a team and, and controlling the resources and, and the procedures to, uh, to, to achieve these uh, goals yep. uh, when it comes to projects. So, so it's a systematic approach to taking an idea and turning that into reality. Okay, so that's the way I like to do it too. Project management is, is taking ideas and turning them into reality. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and uh, mankind is really good at it. We've been doing this for a long time. I mean, the pyramids were projects, you know. Um, but uh, what happened in the last few years is that we, we, we try to collect all the, the knowledge that, that, we, that there was out there when it comes to project management try to collect them into methodology. So they're best practices for, for achieving these uh, unique products, uh, services, or results. Yeah. And so there are different bodies, like the PMI is one of them, probably the biggest one of them, biggest one. But there's, there are other um, entities as well dedicated to helping project managers and projects uh, do better. Mm-hmm. So that's a high-level view of <laughs> what projects and project management is. Do you think... So, uh, some of those organisations have kind of commercialised the market a little bit. They they sort of coined the, some of the phrasing and taken ownership of of project management. Does does project management need a corporate body or a governing body looking after it like that? 
Well, that's a good question. And some people are very much anti-regulation. You know, mm. But the truth is, um, as technology, you know, as we technology gets better and there's more people in the marketplace, um, what happens is the complexity goes up as well. And and what project management methodologies and frameworks, uh, what they provide is, is, is a way for dealing with complexity. And uh, I don't know about you, but if, uh, let's say, if I have um, a little box with a, imagine a box with a crank, right? Yep. <laughs> One end of the box, you feed a, uh, an abstract idea, right? And then you can crank that, turn that crank, and on the other side, end of the box comes out something tangible. That's very attractive. I want one of those boxes. <laughs> so a good project management provides you with with a box like that. So uh -huh. so there there are best practices for you to for for you to approach when it comes to let's say a complex a complex construction project, and uh, let's say I'm building a new a new hospital for example. Imagine all the moving parts that are, and it just gets worse and worse as as technology you know medical technology gets better. Yeah. So project management provides you with with a system that you can break all that down and then come up with a plan and come up with a schedule come up with a budget that is actually realistic and 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 then you so so you know what to work on next and if you start getting off track it's it's uh, obvious so you can course, course correct as you go along so um i think there's a lot of value in in the codification and and uh, you know uh, turning that into a methodology instead of just winging it every time yep especially as as complexity goes up with with new technologies in so and, as and larger a teams. as a design professional or a construction professional do i need a qualification then to become a good project manager you don't need a you don't need a certification or a qualification to be a good project manager um i do think that you need to to there, there are things that you it's good for you to learn you know so there 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 are a lot of different resources out there for you to go and learn uh, basics of project management and um and that's that made a big difference for me Matthew because I was I had the title of project manager for let's say 5 years before yep. I actually came across the methodology of the PMI the framework of the PMI right and and uh, I just basically had to from the beginning I was just reinventing the wheel so when I came across the uh, the materials um, and the framework, I immediately saw how that was, you know, genius. And it's, oh my goodness, I can start using this right now. And I completely turned, uh, changed things for me. So I don't, I don't think, especially if you're, uh, you know, if you, well, if, if you are looking to be employed as a project manager, manager, then uh, a certification can certainly help because, you know, a lot of, a lot of job openings yep. there, it's a requirement for you to be certified. Yeah. But um, but as far as being a better, uh, a good project manager, you don't need it. But I certainly recommend you um, you learn you learn more about project management and some of these frame frameworks because they're really helpful. And I guess that's the niche where you, people like yourself are um, hope, hoping to fill because, like you point out, anyone who's designing or overseeing construction of a, of a home or a or a building is going to be managing a project. And they don't necessarily need, so they're not going to get a job necessarily as a project manager, mm -hmm. but they're going to be managing projects. So is that the purpose of what you're wanting to do with PM for the Masses? Yes, uh, especially with the book, the the project management for you book. Um, I really, I really think that project management should be taught in in, in grade school. Yeah, we, we should all learn this because everything. <laughs> 
uh, you know, the tagline for the for PM for the masses is life is a project and you are the manager. Nice. And I, I really believe that that every you know our life has a beginning and an end that creates a unique result, right? So, so our life. So yeah, can I ahead. can I just I want to pull that apart a little bit because that that's yeah. that's there's a lot in that. Is life a project or is it a series of projects? Well, a project can be can be seen as a series of projects because <laughs> right. one of the things we so do projects, projects they is, can be nested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, one of the first things we do with a project is uh-huh. to break it down into 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 sub deliverables, right? So right. That's one of the first exercises you do when you when you tackle a project. So if you look at life as your overall project, then yes, you know, getting a degree, raising a family, those are sub deliverables, I guess. Right. You could look at them that way. But uh, but yeah, and, and you know, um, but but if you look at what you do, at the things that you need to do as projects, and then, and for me at least, you know, and I talk about this um, in my podcast, is the fact that I I'm an engineer, right? So I went through engineering school, which is hard, and I yep. I did well. So I I I don't think I'm a I think I'm a pretty smart person. Let's put it that way, <laughs> you know, but. Even even being smart, I couldn't accomplish anything in life. I couldn't finish things. I couldn't. I was. Huh. I was. I had a fear of complexity, so I I wouldn't tackle things because of I was. Now looking back, I can tell you that I was afraid of not finishing it. So interesting. I I until I started learning about project management, and that gave me confidence to say, you know what, I don't I don't care how complex something is. I can actually look at this um, objectively, and I can. If I if I break it down and if I do some planning, I can tell, okay, this is going to take me this long. I'm going to need these many people and I'm going to need this much money to accomplish. And then I can I can make an objective decision that, yes, I should do this or no, I shouldn't do this. Or, yes, I should do it, but I should hire somebody to help uh-huh. me. You know, So it just brings clarity to life. Um, and all of a sudden you can you start moving through life with confidence that um, you know, I'm, I'm working on this book. And just a few years ago, just the thought of writing a book would be completely out of the question for me. Like, oh my goodness, it's so much involved. I don't, I don't even know where to start. But now, because I, I know project management, I know that that's just another project, you know. Yeah. And uh, I analyzed it and I broke it down. I said, you know what? I think I can do this by this day, and this is how much it's going to cost me. And let's do it. So it really, it really helps. So if you are going to build a house, even even if if you're not a builder, if you don't have that knowledge, um, I recommend you go and you know hire someone who has. But you know that that's a project, and you know that this is what needs to happen when inside of a project. So you can um, look at it with um, not just a, as a layperson, but hey, you know, explain to me what's going on here, builder, and they they'll tell you, and you understand. When should a homeowner uh, attempt to manage their own building project? And when should they hire a professional building manager, a professional talk- project manager? Yeah. Are you talking about building like a, a whole house, a whole a entire? Yeah, uh, either doing a, a, a whole house from scratch or, or doing a major renovation on an existing home. Yeah. This is a discussion that, is, uh, <laughs> that, it's, that divides the, the project management industry is yeah. whether or not you need to have uh, knowledge of the field you're trying to trying to manage in order to be a good project manager. Uh-huh. And if you do, there's there's been countless polls uh, that were <laughs> conducted out there, and it's usually fifty fifty. So it's, right? there's no consensus here. Yeah, but my opinion is there are certain um, industries, certain types of project that is, um, I'd say, absolutely essential that you have 
the the knowledge yeah <laughs> so, and, and construction is one of them because um it's uh, it's a lot of money there's a lot of risk there's a lot of um uh, stakeholders who are there to try to make a buck uh contractors subcontractors suppliers uh there is government there is you know a code you need to comply with there's just too much for you to try and learn uh on your own that's my opinion you know but um i think that uh, the question, the answer is, um, it's uh, there. There's two sides to the answer. Number one, you need to know project management. I think, yeah, um, it's really helpful. Um, so you know what's going to happen with this project. And number two, I would go and seek uh, an expert, a construction project manager, or or even rely on the contractor or the architect to actually act as the project management project manager on your behalf, um, and you act as the the owner of the project yep. uh, construction owner. Um, so, but you'd be not just a, a construction owner, but you'd be a, an informed and, uh, you know, more hands-on owner and sponsor of the projects because you know, you understand a little bit about project management and you can actually look at a Gantt chart and, and understand what it is that you're looking at. And, yeah. um, you know, so, so, if, so if, if someone doesn't have that experience, it's probably not a good place to start. Yeah, you know, I'll give you a, a, um, an example. You know, even writing this book that I'm writing, uh, yeah. I went and I and I'm working with uh, our book writing and publishing coach. Yeah, so it's something a lot simpler than building a house. I'm I'm a, and I'm a project manager and I have a certification in it. I'm working with a with a with an expert. You know, so yeah, right. Uh, and he even uh, he, he and I are kind of sharing the the title of project manager here. If if. You know, we we don't have it written yeah, down yeah. or anything, but we're both acting as project managers because there's nothing like having that uh, expertise on your side. You know, um, so I, I recommend it, especially if you're buying building your own house. That's typically the biggest investment you're going to make in your life. Mm. Um, mm. You might as well do it do it right and perhaps invest a little bit more uh, on a project manager because um, one little thing that goes wrong because it didn't you didn't uh, have him on board will uh, cost you probably more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, so it's a good insurance policy up front. Right. What are the top, say three tips that you've, you would have for uh, an architect or a designer or, or possibly a builder as well, who's managing on site to deliver a project. And I guess that the typical phrase is on time, on scope and, and within budget. Mm-hmm. What are the top, three things that someone can do to achieve those outcomes. Okay. Thinking of a house as a, as a sort of example. Right, right. Um, construction is a, is, a, is a good one to talk about this because uh, usually you start out with a pretty clear picture of what it is that you want to do. Right? Yeah. If you're talking about software development or things like that, things are more fluid. So, yeah. but, but a house, unless you know how many stories, how many floors you're going to have, you can't do the foundation, right? So you need to know, you need to have a good a good grasp of what it is that you're trying to build. So the first thing I was going to say is to know what your scope is. Yeah. As, as in as much detail as you can, know what it is that you're going to build. Um, if it's a house, you know what type of house it is, how many floors, what kind of the finishings that you want and, and the features that you want in the house. You know, you talk about green green building a lot. So that's something that uh, it's going to be important for your audience uh, is the scope. It's not just any house that you want to build. It's a very yep. specific type of house. So 
So the macro the stuff there, like the number of rooms, but also the the real detail as well. Yeah. So when you are working with your builder or with your project manager, you need to make sure that uh, these things are really clear. Um, yep. Because that helps uh, not just to create clarity at the beginning, but that helps contractors and subcontractors price their, their services as well. So you have a better grasp on the budget as well. So yep. number one is scope. So just make sure, make sure you have a good um, handle on the scope. If you've never built before, um, it's good to talk to someone who has so you know what it is that you need to be clear on from the beginning. Yep. Um, so you know, I, if I were to build a house today, uh, first thing I would do is sit down with an architect and, um, and just hash that out. You know, having lived in this house here for close to 10 years now, if I were to build a new one, I have a very good idea of the things that I want you know? <laughs> because this one here doesn't have it. So... Make sure you Can have, you? I imagine it's different in different cases. But how long should you spend on that process? Oh, that's that. That's going to depend, I guess. Um, but I'll give you an example. Like when we um, we uh, we moved into this house here, we the basement. We have uh, most of the houses here in Canada have basements. Uh, the basement was just it was unfinished. It was yeah. just a, a concrete um, slab of concrete, you know, unfinished, and we wanted to. Uh, finish it uh, a couple of years later. So um, I think we spent more time planning the the layout and all the things that we wanted in that basement than the actual build itself. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, we made a list, and then we uh, we did a floor plan, and then we did a three D model of it, make sure that the doors were opening the right way, and right. Uh, all all these things. And then when it was time to actually hire the contractor, um, it was pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. So so scope is number one. Um, yep. The number two thing is to have a good plan. And again, this is something you're going to work with uh, with your project manager on is to have a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the plan, as I said, you, you you break you break a project down into into deliverables and then into sub deliverables, and finally take all those lower level sub deliverables and you're going to break that down into into tasks. And uh, and with that, you're able to sequence these tasks um, uh, in the sequence that they need to, to be in order to, for the house to be built. For example, roof should go after foundations, you know, things like that, right? Yep. And, uh, and then with that, you're able to do, um, you, you're able to do a schedule for the, for the project. So that's all part of the plan. Uh, and then you realize, okay, this is going to take me two years. And then you can decide, okay, well, that's too long. So how can I crash this schedule how i can make this um, a shorter timeline and then you start looking at tasks that can be done at the same time concurrently and uh, and then you're going to realize that hey you know i can't do two things at once so i need to bring another person here to help me with this so it it, it creates that level of clarity when you uh, when you break it down like that not not only that when you have all your sub deliverables and your tasks you're able to to develop a budget for this project. And this is all something that the project manager can do for you. So when you look at all those, uh, so all those uh, sub-deliverables and the tasks, you can all them, add them all up and say, hey, this project's going to cost me this much. And then and again, you can make decisions then. Okay, this is too much money. How can I um, change perhaps the scope of this project so it fits uh, the budget that I have available? And one thing that is important as well as part of the plan is risk. Risk management. Mm-hmm. 
um, think about, and this is again uh, something that the project manager manager can help you with, is to create a they call it, we call it a, a risk register, you know, a list of uh, somewhere a list of things that could go wrong, um, and then and then you rank them by importance, and then okay, and come up with a little bit of a plan in ca- in case those those things happen. So, good example for when building something is uh, permits, right? So you can have your your schedule and it's all beautiful and um and uh you have your, your your floor plans and things like that and then you take it to the city hall for a permit and you know either you get it right away and that's great and or it takes long for them to give you a permit yeah and then you didn't count on that so that goes their schedule or they deny it right so that's a big risk so it's good to come up with contingencies for things like that okay what am i going to do if i if if this plan doesn't get approved, you know, and then have some sort of a plan around that. So risk is really important in construction. You know, you start digging the ground. You never know what you're going to find there. You know, yeah. we, we worked with a project, um, a couple hours, um, two, a couple hundred kilometers away from, from, from our office here. And, um, we had our monitoring system there. Cause that's what we, we do for construction projects. We do remote monitoring and, um, we got hired, and we had our camera set up and they start digging from the, from the foundation and they find artifacts, you know, uh, yeah. uh, from, uh, from, uh, the native, uh, Canadians, you yeah. know, yeah. first Which nations, is, we call them here. It's probably the most exciting thing that can happen. And also the worst thing that can happen. Right. <laughs> so, and then for the following year, there was a tent in that job site and people are just digging and, you know, wow. uh, archeologists wow. and we're just there with our cameras and they're paying us and we're like, you know, so that <laughs> this type of thing that can happen when you start digging into the ground and, and construction yeah. is disruptive and, and it's messy and there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So it's good to, it's another advantage of working with the, with the experienced professional in construction because they can see these things, you know, yeah. after a while they look at your plot and say, you know what, I've done a job in this neighborhood before. I know the type of soil that's down here. We need to think about that, you know, uh, this type of thing. So risk. So, so not, Go ahead. Uh, well, I'm guessing that if some people are getting a bit anxious at, at this point or, or gla- eyes glazing over and thinking that all sounds a bit like hard work, would that be a bit of a red flag that perhaps they shouldn't be managing their project? <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> that's why I said it's it's good to have uh, have someone on your side that is knowledgeable because yeah. it is a, it is a lot. And as I said, it's it's a lot of money that you're investing uh, yeah. coming out, out of your pocket and um, I, I personally, even though I'm in this industry, I would not tackle the building of my house by myself. Like really? That. And I you're would, you're I, a you're a project manager professional. I am. I'm not a builder, though. You know, I I, I don't build the things. I work with alongside projects. So uh, I um, the projects I'm, I manage are not construction projects. You know, yeah, I manage yeah, the yeah. so. Yeah. So definitely, definitely, and I, I can have, also see how this is a different skill set from the the creative and problem solving that is required for designing and putting together a really good home and, and, and drawing up a house and um, doing all that creative stuff. So I can see yeah. how this is a, might be a different person to, to yeah. be this analytical and process oriented and uh, um, kind of anal about all the getting down all these steps on paper before just jumping in and and rolling up the sleeves and 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 sort of winging it 
Right, right. And uh, the way I see it, the design process is a, is a, is a separate project. Uh, that's yeah, how right. I would I would I would break them down into two. Yeah. Um, because it's it's they're very they're very different. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah, that's um, a good distinction. And the design project can be approached in different ways. It's a more uh, more fluid um, uh, project as well. So you can, uh, you know, when I, 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 I talked about this earlier, uh, construction project, there is not a whole lot of wiggle room for changes once you start building. Right. But so when you start digging for and building the foundation, you better know how many stories this house is going to have. Right. So um, think of the design process as a one project and then the construction process as a separate one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah the yeah. design project process allows you for for more flexibility for you it gives you permission to actually scrap it you know three yeah, weeks yeah. into it and start from scratch yep. and it's more of a uh, more fluid and you can use different approaches for to it uh, like agile scrum things like and that and actually my wife and I had just that uh, scenario where we designed a house on a section we actually put a um uh, put a payment down for uh, a section, paid a reasonable amount of money. Uh, I think it was about $3,000 to get a, an architectural drawings done, concepts worked up uh, to the point of investigating, getting building consent for them. And we actually pulled the pin on that project because of uh, an issue around the um, the title of that, that property and also the steepness of a particular driveway on that section. But that that was a good example because we, we went through a, a project of designing that house and the decision based on all the facts that we knew at that point was that we should um, stop there. Yeah. It does happen. Exactly. Yeah. So, 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 you know, exactly what I'm talking about. So that the design process is a project and, uh, and you pull the plug on it yeah, and it's yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, you fail fast, you fail cheap. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we've got our scope, we've got our plan. Mm-hmm. And number three uh, is communication. Communication, right. communication, communication, and uh, if you um, if you look in the textbooks, and they they say that the job of the project manager, ninety uh, percent of it is communications. Ninety percent of what you do is communication. Interesting. So, um, and especially in in a, in a project like this, it is high stakes and is a lot of money. Uh, it's yep. very important there is a clear and open communication between you, the project manager, uh, the the contractor, the subcontractors. The, the architect and, and everybody involved that there is this open door policy. So, you know, people are not afraid to share bad news, for example, you know? Yeah. So one thing that we do as part of the plan is, is uh, when we have our schedule is to set up a milestone chart, you know, things that uh, need to be done by a certain time. So for example, the foundation is complete. It's a milestone. Uh, getting your permit is a milestone. Uh, framing of the house is a milestone. So you just come up with these milestones and, and they're good they're good ways for you to measure whether or not you're on track. So if you start mi- missing milestones, uh, make sure that's communicated. Right. Um, if you are the project manager, make sure that you, you're telling your sponsor, your owner, yep. that this is happening and, and, and you can nip things at the bud and, um, and work on these problems and, and, and manage them, you know, yeah. as they come along. Yeah. The other thing that we talked about too is the, the risks that we, uh, we created that risk register uh, before we started the project and and as you ex- uh, execute the project, you know are they are these risks um, uh, becoming concrete? Uh, concre- becoming concrete? Are they happening? You know, yeah. and or yeah. or not? And then you can okay, okay. Well, what was the plan that we have that we had uh, drawn up for for this risk? Yep. Now the opposite of risk is opportunity. 
right? So it might be that uh, something went uh, well and you didn't predict it. So, okay, how does this impact? You know, maybe I'll be able to finish this project a week early. Right. Or maybe I'll be able to save a couple thousand dollars here and there because, I don't know, the the flooring that we had chosen is on sale. Things yeah, like that, yeah, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and that also needs to be communicated because if you have a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of an extra budget here, maybe you can address a problem that happened early on, and uh, and hey, you know your your scope is back, um, back uh, intact. Mm, you know, so mm. so communication. So I'd say the three things is scope. Make sure that that's um, clear, and then make sure you have a good plan, and then uh, communications. Awesome. We better start wrapping up, Caesar. Um, what's your favorite book? <laughs> Well, um, I, I guess there are different parts. Of that. So I think when it comes to systems and, and project management, I think uh, the book that made the biggest difference for me is Getting Things Done by David Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a book about project management, but it's a book about life management yep. and um, how you handle things that land on your lap and, and the things that come across uh, your desk and land on your email uh, inbox. And yep. how, Because that's, I think, if your mind is not at peace about, uh, about these things, then, uh, you know, how can you, how can you manage a project for someone if your own life is not well managed? So that book made a big difference for me. I love his and, concept. I, he was the first one that introduced me to inbox zero, or I don't think he called it that, but something similar. Yeah. And, and, and I had the, him on the show, by the way. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing catch. He's a, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a very well regarded, um, uh, personal productivity um yeah. expert although i don't yeah, think he yeah. likes that term yeah he's no he's he's the standard yeah that's yeah for sure um and of course we can't end this interview without talking about the next best book that will be available <laughs> um tell us about your your campaign and congratulations by the way for your um kickstarter campaign uh tell us a little bit about it yes so, um, as you can tell, or can probably tell here, I'm I'm passionate about this uh, this whole project management thing because it really made a difference in my life. And uh, being in this industry, I see that there's a disconnect between what companies do and what we do as individuals when it comes to managing our projects. Companies are really well structured and they deliver on their promises, and we are not. And I think that there is a, an opportunity here for someone to come along and, and introduce project management to the individual, to the small business um, and or to the solopreneur. And that's what I want to do with this book called Project Management for You. Yep. And uh, what, I, what I did is uh, I'm going to self-publish. So there's um, some costs associated with that. So I decided to do a crowdfunding Kickstarter campaign in which people can go and pretty much pre-order the book at different levels. Yep. And uh and then once I have the the, the funds to that necessary to, to self-publish, then then I'm funded. So I'm you know, you said congratulations and I said thank you because just today the project got uh, fully funded. There's still two weeks to go uh for the campaign. So the um, it's a great success for me to to be able to have the level of support from you know friends, family and also listeners and clients and everybody who's familiar with uh, the things that I've been doing. And you, Matthew, you're one of the first uh, backers there, so I thank you <laughs> yeah, for that. I, I'm very much looking forward to it. And, <laughs> and as we were talking about before we hit record, uh, this is an opportunity now for people, um, if they're listening to this in uh, when this will come out in October 
2014 to get in in the next two weeks that will still be open and there's some great deals there um obviously after that point the book will be eventually be available but um getting to that 100 percent point uh is really opens the door for people who, who want to still get in and and by all means definitely head over and check out the it's a great video so you should check, definitely go and check out that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the video is very unusual. It's, yeah, yeah, it's uh, awesome. Not what you would expect. Eh? Yeah. Um, but, so uh, check check that out. But don't don't feel that because it's a hundred percent funded that uh, it, it's all over. It's it's still yeah. very much open and some great some bargains. I love the uh, the concept of the the no brainer. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's something that's only going to be available during the the campaign. So, while well, the yeah. number it is funded, so that's uh, what it means is that you the book will happen, right? So that's that's a positive. And the other thing is that well, that's what I was going to say that no no brainer reward level, uh, which includes all sorts of different things in there for for a, a low price. That's going to go away once the campaign is over. So, don't let uh, the fully funded. Uh, status uh, prevent you from, from being a backer. I'd uh, uh, welcome you into the project if you're interested. You mentioned at the top says you got a lot of stuff going on. Where's the best place that people can contact you or find out all the stuff that you're involved in? I think the best place would be the, the project management for the Masses podcast mm-hmm. uh, website, and that would be PM, as in project management, so pmforthemasses.com. Great, and I'll link that up in the notes for this episode and a few other links to uh, where else they can find you on all over the internet. (laughs) Hey, thank you very much for your time, Caesar. It's uh, been fantastic talking, and and sorry it's taking you a while to um, get you on the show, but I think there's probably more stuff that we can talk about and go down in a little bit more detail. Specifically, um, I really like the idea of separating that design process and then also the construction process um, with regards to, to project management. Um, so good luck with the rest of the campaign and the book and really looking forward to uh, when it's, um, when are you launching? When are you uh, um, aiming to have it out there? Um, January of 2015. Nice. So it's going to be a... You're going to have a busy Christmas. Busy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks for your time, Caesar. Appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, Matthew. Nice talking to you. Well, I hope you found that interesting. Uh, that was Caesar Abid of PM for the Masses. And I'll put the links to where you can find Caesar and his great Kickstarter campaign in the show notes. And that'll be over at homestylegreen.com slash 87. And just to recap very quickly, his, his three top tips there are know your scope, have a plan, and communication, communication, communication. And I know for me, particularly, I guess, as a, one of those kind of engineering-y types, I do often find that hard, that last part a little bit hard, the communication. I, I, I know I consciously have to over-communicate what feels to me like it's over-communicating, but it's probably slightly under-communicating from a, a client's point of view or a, um, a colleague's point of view. So... Really useful to keep those in mind, uh, knowing your scope, having a really good plan, and communicating all the way through. If you enjoyed that episode or other episodes of this podcast, I'd be grateful if you could head over to the iTunes store and leave a review there. It really helps get the word out to other people. 
And please do get in touch, Matthew at homestylegreen.com. If you've got any uh, specific questions or suggestions or for interviews or something you'd like answered on the show or something you'd like highlighted or discussed, then please do get in touch. Or if you've got some feedback as well, I'd love to hear that too. Thanks very much for listening in. And a quick shout-out before we close. I wouldn't be able to do this as frequently as I do without the very good support of Nudora, who provide a very good and fast, efficient building system. If you haven't checked it out already, head over to energyefficientbuilding.co.nz. It's really worth checking out if you're at all interested in insulating your concrete slab or even going all the way up and having a very good insulated, solid concrete construction for your home. That's it for me for this week. Thanks very much for tuning in. Now go make a better place to live.